Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, my name is Dana Shergill. I'm a kinky wellness coach and owner of The Partition, home of kinky wellness. Each Monday, I bring on a guest to discuss why kinky sexual wellness deserves a seat in the wellness conversation. You can catch my solo shows on Wednesdays, but let's jump into it. Hey, welcome back. Today, we are talking all about what endometriosis is what it is, what you need to know, and what you don't know, and ways to make living with endometriosis better with Venus Libido. Venus is a qualified sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and is training to be a clinical sexologist and relationship therapist. For the last three years, Venus has been working in the field of sex education, sex toys and pleasure, endometriosis awareness, and helping others when it comes to sexual wellness, intimacy, dating, and relationships. She was even nominated for a 2022 Sex and Relationships Content Creator of the Year with Blogsphere Magazine. So let's welcome her to the show as she tells us everything she knows about endometriosis. Welcome, Venus, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think that the topic that we're going to be talking about, which is endometriosis, is a very, very important conversation that we need to spread awareness on. And so I guess my first question for you is really, what is endometriosis? Okay, so endometriosis is a long-term condition that is basically where the tissues that are similar to the lining of the womb grow elsewhere in the body. It can grow in places like the ovaries, the fallopian tubes. For me personally, it's growing on the tubes that are kind of on my bowels um it can even grow in the throat like I mean a, a lot of misconceptions around endometriosis is that it's just like a really bad period basically but it it is so much more than that um there comes a lot of like psychological problems um, mental health related issues you can get severe pain in your back your legs pain during sex difficulty getting pregnant there's so many things that come with endometriosis but that's kind of like the breakdown of what it is I guess uh, wow, I actually thought I must have had a the my idea of endometriosis is that it was mostly focused around difficulty getting pregnant, but I didn't realize that there was so much pain and that it could grow in your throat and other tissues. Yeah, yeah. So it can actually spread in other areas of your body. I haven't heard much about that, but it, it does happen. Wow. Which is quite scary. Yeah. <laughs> so when someone is first diagnosed with this or even before they're diagnosed are there signs that you should that could relate to it or maybe someone should check in yeah so I think this is the you know it takes on average about seven years for someone to get diagnosed with endometriosis because getting a diagnosis requires actually having surgery keyhole surgery you can't actually detect it through scans or like what we'd call like MRI scans and things like that. It's just, you know, throughout my life since age of 12, I've been saying I have pain. I have pain in my back, I have pain in my tummy, I had pain in my legs. And, you know, I was having all these scans and all these tests done and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And I'm quite a petite person and they would just put it down to the fact that it was growing pains and I'd grow out of it. And all these healthcare professionals would just be 
saying to me and my parents, you know, just fight through it, just stay on top of pain medication. Eventually it will go away as she grow, <laughs> hopefully grows, still five foot one. <laughs> and so, yeah, the issue is when it comes to diagnosing endometriosis is it is very difficult because it requires surgery. And that's quite off-putting for a lot of people. And it's, it's a huge decision to have to make about your body and whether you want to put yourself through that. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that, you know, can go wrong with surgery, understandably, and you have to be willing to put yourself through that. But I guess the main kind of the main things to think about when going to your GP or going to see going to see a gynecologist is, are you having extremely painful periods? I mean, you know, you should, painful periods is just, you know, people think we should have painful periods, right? But no, they're not really meant to be that painful. They're meant to be manageable. We can still get on with our day to day lives. But if you're struggling to go to work, if you're struggling to get out of bed, you know, those are huge indicators that something's wrong. If you're finding penetration painful, if you're bleeding in between periods, if you're struggling with your mood, if you're getting pain in your stomach and in your back, it's things like that, that I guess do just get down, put down to, you know, as somebody with a, with a, with a vulva and a vagina, just a painful period. But realistically there needs to be more investigation done to see if something's actually wrong with your body that's insane actually seven years to get it diagnosed I know I when I was told so basically the, the, the way I found out that I had endometriosis was actually through like my own investigation and my own I guess education so I went to a charity event that represents and supports the five gynae cancers and there was a GP on the on the panel talk talking about endometriosis and talking about all the symptoms it's like oh I've never heard of endometriosis before but all of those things literally sound like what I've been going through since the age of 12 so I went to my GP and I said I think I might have endometriosis could I please be referred to see a gynecologist and actually the doctor was like oh I don't think you have this according to your notes over the years I wouldn't recommend it being that and I said no I would like to be put forward to see a gynecologist, please. I had to fight for that referral, which is something I always recommend to people who are going to their GP because it, your pain does get swept under the carpet a lot, especially when it comes to periods. So fight for that referral and know that you have, you are allowed to have that. That is your right. And especially here in the UK, like we have to go through our GPs to get those kinds of appointments unless you go privately. And so, yeah, I went to a gynecologist and he like had a look at me and said, look, I think you need to be checked for endometriosis, but that does require surgery. And for a moment I was like, is, are you asking for my permission or are you saying I should have it? It was almost like a, do you, are you recommending it? Or are you saying like, I have, it was a very odd, it was very odd. I'm trying to find a way to describe it, but it was almost like, it's up to you whether you want this surgery or not. But then I said to myself, well, this is, the last resort for figuring out what my pain is so I'm so glad I went ahead with it because I was diagnosed with endometriosis and it's completely changed the way I view my pain my lifestyle choices I'm now able to like better adapt everything in my life to suit me and my needs and my pain and to manage it better and it's completely life-changing absolutely wow that's phenomenal now if there's someone that might be a little nervous about getting this surgery is there something that you could walk them through or advice that you could give them or something that they should really take notice of while they're gearing up for this type of surgery? It's not as bad as it sounds. Keyhole surgery is a very like, you know, surgery that's done all the time. While there's like a lot of risks, there's also a lot of positives, obviously, to finding out if something is there that needs treating. The recovery is very short. You just need to remember to to 
take that time off. One thing I didn't realize was like, okay, I'm going to be fine in like two weeks, but actually you probably need a lot longer. Just mentally prepare yourself, I guess, for like what your body's about to go through. And something that happens and a lot of people talk about if you go watch YouTubes on people who've had the surgery is they pump your stomach with gas um, so they can expand it and have a better look. That is literally the only painful thing about the surgery afterwards, not the actual surgery itself. So I would say just prepare yourself for like lots of green tea, like mint teas and like things to help get rid of the gas. That is the only painful thing that is unbearable but it does pass Uh, but the surgery itself is absolutely fine okay wonderful so keyhole surgery I guess I just don't know what that is so it's not necessarily is it invasive or does what is keyhole what does that mean sorry so keyhole uh, for endometriosis means they'll make small incisions and they'll go in with a camera so you honestly have like scars that are like two centimeters long um, that do actually disappear for most people over time and yeah it's very it's not it's not like it's very invasive like it's not a huge surgery unless you know they find other things wrong with you that they then need to do further surgery or there's any complications but it's yeah it's you can walk out the same day basically oh okay great so when it comes to endometriosis have you found that there's a lot of misconceptions around it or living with it that you would like to clarify Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the first one would be that endometriosis isn't always painful. Uh, Not everyone with endometriosis experiences pain. So, you know, if you are having other symptoms that are related to what might be endometriosis, just to consider that for some people, it can be excruciating. And then some people it can, you can, you know, live a normal life and pain doesn't affect you. It's not, I guess the biggest one, it's not just a painful period you know a lot of people when you say oh I have endometriosis and they just think oh wow you must just have like the most awful periods then is that all it is no no no. it affects like everything it affects the way I move the way my my mental health is you know for a long time I've I've struggled with like anxiety and depression and I never really understood where it was coming from because I don't really have a family history of it or you know I've had a very you know I've had a a lovely life um had everything I wanted for my family I have a lovely family around me Uh, I didn't realize that depression and your your mental health can be significantly impacted through endometriosis and I've had things like brain fog um and just feeling exhausted all the time because of the pain another thing that I think something that I thought of when someone told me I had endometriosis was I instantly thought okay I'm not gonna be able to have children endometriosis doesn't equal infertility you know for some people that is the case but that isn't like what endometriosis necessarily means for everybody and I think that another thing is that while there's no cure I guess again another thing is like oh my gosh I've got this thing that's I've got for life now how am I going to live with this While there's no cure, there are lots of ways that you can manage your symptoms. And for a long time, I was scared that I was going to be in like debilitating pain my whole life because that's what I'd experienced up until the time I got diagnosed and had surgery. I was constantly in and out of A&E, in pain and on medication, medication that was making me ill. But it was the fact that I learned how to live with my pain and find my triggers that have completely like changed my life. Well, to touch more on triggers, that's a good point. Now, are there triggers that spike this endometriosis or the pain, I guess, more 
in that respect? Yeah. So there's an incredible book that I was going to mention at the end of the podcast, which I highly recommend everybody who has endometriosis by, and it's called Take Control of Your Endo by Henrietta Norton. And they basically detail all the things that can be triggers and that you should change, like lifestyle changes you should make. So there's things like the things that you're eating. Um, I have triggers that I've worked out over the years that, you know, I can't eat gluten. I can't have dairy. There's certain processed foods I can't eat. Coffee, like things. I had a coffee yesterday because I was like, I really want a coffee, but I know this is going to really flare up my endo in about half an hour. And it did. So there's definitely things like that that can trigger can trigger it. But it's I highly recommend keeping a diary of every day of all the things you do, the things you're interacting with, the things you're putting in your body and see if you notice like things popping up at different times. You know, even I notice when I don't go for a walk. So I walk quite regularly and I go to the gym. If I take a week off, I have flare ups straight away because I haven't been moving my body and keeping myself active and everything's kind of like feeling a bit stiff. Sleep. I mean, sleep is a massive thing with anybody with any health related thing. But with endometriosis, if you're not getting good quality sleep, that can really impact it as well. Well, these are great things to help manage the pain. Absolutely. Are there maybe holistic remedies that you could suggest as someone at home? Or is that something that you can do with this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, go back and buy that book. It's incredible. There's (laughs) lots of holistic ways to help with your endometriosis in terms of like recipes and foods to cut out supplements big fan on like taking vitamins uh, vitamins b c's all of those things have really helped me massages it's so simple but just going for regular massages on my back have really helped to like relax my body and also like mentally it's like beneficial drinking lots of water is a big thing but I would say those are like the top things holistically that I would you can do from home like today if you're struggling with pain and like managing like temperature so heat but being careful with that so but there's lots of products on on the market at the moment I've invested in like loads of tens machines over the years which are do you know what a tens machine is don't think so so it's like a device that you can stick on your skin and it sends like little vibrations through the nerves to help relax the muscles. Oh, That's wow. a lifesaver. So anyone that has endo and really struggles with t- pain, buy a TENS machine. That's exciting. I actually will, if you have any uh, products that could work, I would gladly put the link in so people can just yeah. check it out for themselves. Absolutely. But- those were really insightful about managing those things. Now, are there things that people can do to reclaim their cat? confidence and their self-esteem with endometriosis yes I think the best thing you can do is to learn about the condition to help separate like fact and fiction like going back to those misconceptions about what endometriosis is and what that means for the rest of your life especially when it comes to like fertility and living with like a lifelong condition that doesn't have a cure I think education is like the biggest thing you biggest gift you can give yourself to reduce fear and worry and you know having stress and fear around it also isn't going to help with your pain is only going to like amplify it always prioritizing your own well-being so like learning that you have this condition and to slow down and it's okay to slow down and to give yourself that gift of saying no to people when you can't physically do things for a long time I felt guilty for like you know my friends are all very active like wanting to go dancing or go to theme parks and these are all things I couldn't keep up with and I felt 
like I missed out a lot in life but I would then you have to communicate with people saying I can't do that but can we do this instead and I'm happy for you guys to go to that as a group but as long as we can do something for me that I can feel like included in because I can't do those things for a long period of time Um, another thing I would say is to consistently talk to your doctor because I think helping like reclaim confidence it's like continuously having somebody you can talk to who understands like from a medical point of view what you're going through and to keep up a like a treatment plan and not to like neglect your body because it's easy to like at the start when I found out I was like angry with myself and I was angry with my body and I started to neglect it because I was mad at it it sounds really strange but I was like yeah I guess I was upset with myself for having this thing you have to treat your body with care like you have to look after it nobody else is going to do that for you so I think having a treatment plan and finding something that works for you is going to really help with your confidence and I think understanding that it's not your fault this is just Mm -hmm. it's um it's beyond your control on this yeah absolutely you can't you know it is difficult to know that you've got this thing like you said there's no cure for it yet hopefully you know in years to to come there'll be something but yeah it's not your fault and just learn to make small changes in your life to make it more manageable for you because ultimately you have to look after yourself and protect your body and that's the most important thing you can do for yourself nobody else can give that to you Mm -hmm. absolutely now does endometriosis affect your sex life in any particular way I would assume that it does on some level yeah, because the because the endometriosis well, for some who it like is growing in that area, it can cause dis- discomfort because of the like the the tissue and if you've had surgery, like the tearing and the lesions and things like that. So it can be uncomfortable, um, especially you know at different points in your cycle. Again, this is why it's really good to like track. I think cycle tracking is like the best thing you can do as well as well as tracking your your triggers and your symptoms definitely start to track your cycle because your cycle is all month long so your body and your cervix is going to be reacting differently at different points in the months in terms of like lubrication about where your cervix is because your cervix is moving so sex is going to be more painful at different points in your cycle especially even more for those with endometriosis and you know don't be afraid about period sex because if you are really struggling with endometriosis during your period period sex is going to help relax your muscles it's going to give you those good endorphins and it's a great way to ease pain I have found personally again this is all trial and error for yourself because everybody's body works differently and responds differently to pain but don't be afraid to try those things that's great actually now when it comes to bringing this topic up do you find that people struggle to bring it up to a partner yeah I mean that for me I'm a sex educator and I have endometriosis so I've always been very comfortable bringing that into new relationships and being like by the way I have this thing called endometriosis which means that sex might be painful for me sometimes but for those who aren't confident about talking about it you have to learn to communicate because and I say this all the time um, to like my clients like ultimately your pleasure your pleasure is in your hands if you can't communicate when something doesn't feel right for you your partner is not a mind reader you have to explain to them what feels good for you what doesn't feel good for you because if you don't you're the only one missing out so you have to learn to like not be ashamed of your condition you have to learn to 
navigate around it when it comes to sex and know what feels nice for you what doesn't feel nice for you and communicate that with your partner and they're going to be understanding and if they are if they're not then should you really be having sex with them anyway exactly (laughs) that's funny like I think that people underestimate the power of communication I think when it goes across the board even with you if you don't have anything going on with you and you're just just shy to say something the only person you're right is you're just hurting yourself and yeah. I don't think it gives your partner even a fair chance to maybe they want to help you. They, of course, they want to help you if they're a good partner and they want to make this enjoyable for both parties. So is I guess nervousness, shame around it might have to be deconstructed around it because there is nothing. It's not your fault. Yeah. You, sorry, I was going to say, do you feel that shame? I feel like shame comes up a lot when it comes to sex, especially if we think that something's wrong with us. So mm-hmm. this, uh, that's why I love conversations like this, because it's just dismantling it with education. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, it, go back, it goes back to the body, like to feeling more confident and reclaiming your confidence. If you have a clear understanding of like what's going on with your body, you can better communicate that with your partner. So understanding like, okay, at this time of the month, I know we can't have sex because it's going to hurt. Or, you know, if you do that, I'm going to need you to take your time because I know that that doesn't necessarily work for me, but I would like to still try it with you. It's all about starting with yourself. And, you know, luckily we live in a time where there are lots of incredible tools we can use to like support ourselves, especially within sex and sexual wellness to help ease our pain, which, you know, I think have been the biggest blessing for me with my condition and making sure that I still have a very fulfilling sex life. And what tools would those be? Are you talking about lubes and toys and things like that? Do you have specific examples? I have so many amazing tools that people can buy. So my favorites are like, obviously lube, but CBD lube, you know, there's amazing lubes. I can give you all the links for all my favorite products, but CBD lube is like the number one. And then a sex pillow, like people don't think about positions. So, you know, experiment with how your body feels in different ways and different positions with your partner, because angles are like, you could be hitting something that doesn't feel right for you, but, you know, change it up and then it might feel nice in a different way. I'm Uh, so glad you brought that up. Sorry, because I feel that there's a lot of talk about sex toys in general. And if you have a sex toy, go out and get yourself a sex furniture because it's there to take the weight off of you, really. And it's comforting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even as much as like, you know, sometimes I felt if my partner's on top of me on my stomach, that can hurt. So if you can get yourself a sex pillow that which feels more comfortable and you can get into the positions you like, it's going to completely change the game. Um, It did for me anyway. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I love is um, like to going back to sex toys, like there's so many toys you can explore externally. So we don't have to think about penetration. And, you know, often when we think about sex, we're like, okay, it has to be penis and vagina. It has to be penetration for it to like actually count as sex, right? Well, that's not true. Like sex is what you make it. Pleasure is what you make it. So I think putting the onus off of, you know, achieving orgasm and penetration and put it on pleasure and what feels good so that can include like toys that are used externally whether that's like air technology toys or clit stimulating toys or nipple stimulating toys so focusing on out the outside of the body if sex is painful for you if you have endo another great tool which I think everybody should have is the O-Nuts. Have you heard of them? Is that the one where they put it on the penis to stop 
partial like it so you can only get like a part of the dick in I guess is that what that yeah. is yes. yeah okay yeah. I have seen that that's awesome actually I love it they're incredible they are probably the best thing I can recommend other than using lube because you can use these with lube these rings are like squishy rubbery elasticy wrap bands that you stick on a penis and they come as a set of four so you can like layer them up and then determine the amount of depth you like those are fantastic because then you can still engage in penetration and but do it at a point where your partner can understand your limitations because sometimes for your partner that can be hard to navigate like oh I don't know how far in and out I can actually go so those rings kind of aid that um and then another thing is temperature play you know with endometriosis a lot of people go to like using heat pads and water bottles to help with pain and like using heat and that within sex and temperature play can really help so something that I like to do is to get my glass toys and pop them into like warm water and then use them like around my vulva and that can be really really comforting and make sex more enjoyable especially like pre like like pre-play and like that really helps or like aftercare just to like kind of relax the muscles it's really helpful absolutely have you heard of cupping by any chance that's where they yeah. take yeah I feel like that might is that something that could also work too because it's it's also used as a massager technique as well but I do see it in BDSM and kink as a form of play and foreplay and aftercare as well I mean yeah I don't see why not I mean you can get like amazing masseuses that do all sorts of amazing things or acupuncture whatever it is whatever works for you like go try it whatever you think might be the right answer for you I yeah I mean I would I think I need to go try that myself actually uh, I think it's great I I think between cupping and temperature play like those are plays that it can help with sexual but it can also help with I guess pain in general because it's it's soothing it's soothing for the body and it also focuses attention not on the genitalia on every other part of the body which the genitalia gets too much attention sometimes and there are other parts of our body (laughs) that we can work on exactly (laughs) that's funny well do you have anything else that you'd like to say about or points that you'd like to make about endometriosis just that your life and your sex life isn't over like just because you have it you can still you can still have a very fulfilling life in general and sex life yeah I think it's it's an awful thing to have to live with because of how much pain it can cause but as long as you can better understand your body like that's the the best thing you can do for yourself and just find what works for you it's all it's all experimenting and trial and error and everybody what works for me might not work for somebody else but hopefully the things that I have advise today like the tools that help me you can start to implement implement them if you haven't thought about them and they might help absolutely I feel like my biggest takeaway is really it's it's being able to do the work because it sounds like there's a lot of journaling if you really want to kind of figure out your triggers or where your cycles are it is taking the time and the initiative to be connected and present in the moment to be like, you know what, I'm feeling pain, let's write it down. And I guess maybe remembering as well, because some people like, you know, life is busy, we forget, but we have to make the effort, we have to make the effort to put it down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've always got your phone on you, or just start learning to carry a notepad around. I did for six months, I was like, I I care so much about this and get not getting better, but learning to live with this in a way that's healthy, that I just like, I care, have to do this for myself, because nobody else is going to do it. And, you know, 
you just you just have to take the time to do that for you basically I know I keep saying like it all goes back to you but it really does Mm -hmm. well I do believe that you have to take control over your health and now do you have any or do you know any links or anywhere where there's good support groups or do you have any support groups that people could go to I know that at the end we'll put your links in but this sounds like you'd need a really big community to just you know share what you're feeling and going through so you know you're not the only one yeah, I mean, I can definitely share links um, off the top of my head. I can't think of like groups in general, but the best thing that I've done over the years is I've just followed um, other creators, other people who are struggling with endometriosis and going through surgery and watching their stories on YouTube and how they've managed it. It's just kind of, you have to go find that community online. Um, but there's, yeah, I can send some links, definitely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, this has been a great conversation on endometriosis, and I'm so happy to, ha- to have you on the show because I do believe that this is something that affects more people. And I do want people on this specific one to be confident to come out and say this might be something and I should explore this and not necessarily to hide it because you're just hurting yourself. Mm, yeah absolutely and remember if someone says if we're going back to like healthcare and trying to figure out if you do have endometriosis I was told since I was 12 like there was nothing wrong with me you just keep fighting for your own health and if one doctor says no go to another doctor go to another doctor if you you know your body best so keep investigating that pain until you get some answers Actually, I do have another follow up question to that. Now, when you are working with when you were trying to get this first diagnosis and what were some major hurdles that doctors were giving you just that they weren't validating what you were going through? That was the biggest one. Yeah. So I was basically told that I had other conditions that I don't don't have. They were just like kind of picking out of thin air almost because these Mm. are things that, I, you know, later on, I've got no issues with. It's literally just the endo like. I was told I had an acute appendicitis. I was told I had degenerative disc problems, bulging discs. I mean, everybody has bulging bulging discs to an extent, um, but they just never really understood where the pain was coming from. I have had doctors tell me it was all in my head. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, at one point, you know, my mom even sat me down and said, look, are you making this up because you don't want to go to school? Um, I just have to ask because they can't seem to figure out what's wrong with you. But nobody thought to put, endometriosis and my pain together despite the symptoms I was displaying is this a fairly new thing is that why doctors are struggling so hard to talk about it or maybe (laughs) yeah okay that's weird but yeah I think it's because the symptoms are so similar to just like having a very bad period and the 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 surgery like it's yeah it's very it's you have to have surgery so I guess it builds up the waiting list for, for surgeons to have to investigate that way okay okay well that's good to know and I do wish I thank you again for coming on the show and where can my listeners find you they can find me at venus libido on instagram and everywhere else basically but yeah thank you so much for having me and I hope people can take something from what I've I've shared today oh I definitely think they will because I definitely have taken a lot away from this so For our listeners, I will be back next week. And as always, make sure to stay kinky.